Uh, welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. We've got an NL voice here. He's back. <laughs> Trunk fan is back. And we got Jack Butcher as well. And I'm Bilal Zaidi. I think you know that by now. But uh, if anyone knew, those are our names. Trunk, welcome back from Asia. You're back in ca- Canada, the great country of Canada. Been getting that <laughs> coffee going. I can see it early Bilal, in the morning. Bilal's straining to put the adjective great before Canada. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I believe what you're trying to say is a great white Commonwealth. North. Yeah, Commonwealth. Yeah, the Commonwealth. So let, let me give you a quick recap. And we're not going to talk about the recap. If we have time later, we'll talk about the Philippines. But I just want to talk specifically about jet lag. So it's funny because my kid's four and a half and he's out beating us on dealing with jet lag. Like he's, he's over it. And then me and the missus are still, we're still struggling. Coming back from Asia is always the hardest. It's like going 12 there, hour difference, right? It's like 15 with the Philippines, but like oh going God. there is not the end of the world, but coming back for some reason is always worse. It, I'm sure there's like a logical geographical reason, but I haven't figured it out, but I'll, I'll Google it. Uh, but we'll talk about, uh, if we have time, the Philippines economy later. Uh, otherwise, right, I just be, yeah. hung out well, in Manila. That's just it. having a good time. All right, so let's let people know what we're talking about. Today, we're going to talk about PayPal's overreach. There's been a bit of controversy there. Um, we're going to talk about what's been going on and the wider implications of that. Then we're going to talk about the Draymond Green tape that just came out and TMZ. We're going to use that as a way to explain how TMZ works. It's quite an interesting business model. They've been like the OG disruptor in media. That's what Trung told me to tee up as, so I could get that line in there. <laughs> well, let me ask this quickly. Well, tee up what we would talk about after, and I'm going to ask you something about TMZ. Go on. Um, what is your perception of TMZ? The visual for me is just like, a, yeah, just like obviously leaking cr- crazy stuff, right? Like, they're normally the first to leak a lot of crazy like are the, They're tapes. first, right? Yeah, they're the yeah. newsbreakers. That's they're their the newsbreaker. That's the newsbreaker. And then for some reason, when you said, what do you think of TMZ? For some reason in my head, it just went world star, even though it's not exactly the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in it, my it head, it caters to that type of content, right? Just like outrageous, like viral, videos and... viral, like celebrity, the shit that, uh, they, there's a uh, quote that we'll talk about later, but it's recession proof. Celebrities fucking up is recession proof, right? Yeah, completely. Um, all right, so should we start off with the PayPal side? I think we're going to have to do a meme in a week because this has been dominating the feeds, boys. Who's got one? I think Jack might have one I to start. One up, yeah, got a homegrown one here for homegrown for one. Here we go. I mean, guys, Trunk T fan. Please describe it for anybody listening. PayPal rolling into your account when you post a meme they don't like, and he's got the heist scene from uh, Heat in here, right, Trunk? Oh, it's the greatest! It's the greatest scene ever. So. Let me guys tell you a little small story about this scene. So Michael Mann made this scene with, uh, he worked with actual, I mean, he consulted with former criminals and police department, but that scene was done so like how a criminal would actually rob a bank that later in the following years, some criminals actually copied how they robbed the bank and like almost got away with it. It was like, it's very like if you're robbing a bank, you do it on the day where they're transferring money and like every tactic you use in there, you roll in there and you tell everybody, Hey, we're not here to steal your money. We're stealing the bank's money. You're insured by the FDIC. Don't be a hero. We're going to leave here in three minutes. And like, they like copied it. So it's freaking crazy that scene. But, um, uh, let me, uh, let me add one Trung more before just we go. Digesting IMDb fun fact yeah, trivia. The, the and trivia the second, section. Second meme of the week. It just has to be because how freaking funny it is. Uh, 
You guys know yesterday a bunch of noble, <laughs> a bunch of noble yeah. prizes were given out. <laughs> so, so the big the big joke was that Ben Bernanke, uh, the former Fed chair, an, an academic, won the Nobel Prize. I mean, it sounds like he deserved it, but he's responsible for like the zero interest rate environment that we had over the past decade, like Ben Bernanke. So our friend, not Jerome Powell, who's this fake Jerome Powell account, the current Fed chair, he goes, <laughs> for the listeners, the Nobel Prize winner in chemistry, I don't even know if that is a category, <laughs> for turning the market into shit, it's himself. All right. <laughs> It's so good, man. All right. Uh, all right. So, Bilal, tee up what happened so, with PayPal. Yeah, well, I mean, I was going to turn it over to you in a second, but I think there's been a lot of, like, on my feed anyway, I've just been seeing a lot of people, like OG PayPal people, David Sack, Elon Musk. I don't know if David Marcus was actually uh, PayPal, but I saw him posting stuff as president, well. President, yeah, former president. He was president as well, right? So a lot of, like, old school PayPal people being like, okay, this is the opposite of what, PayPal was supposed to be about originally or like their own personal views. Um, but yeah, so I guess I'll, I'll turn it over to you, Trunk, because you've been, you wrote a whole little memo for us before this, which was oh, amazing. Dude, read it way. off, man. Read off the. Right, so you said, all right, so we've got here PayPal is down over 6% on the first day of trading after they announced their acceptable use policy, the AUP change. Um, and essentially, it would be fining users that promote misinformation. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of the big controversy. It would be like up to $2,500. And they just um, snatch it from your account. Exactly, exactly. Well, they so can take is... it from, I think that it read, they can take it from your PayPal balance or because you have a linked bank account, they could literally debit it from your bank account. Oh my God, crazy. I did not know that. Is that, that real? That's insane. That pie is crazy. I mean, I don't know, I might be getting a $2,500 <laughs> fine for saying that, but from what I... Uh, from what I understood of how people read the, the legally interpreted the terms, it's like, we can take $2,500 per infraction the same way we debit funds from your account for anything else, which would imply they have access to your Okay, funds. well, Jack, you put it on our radar first. Jack's actually, for the listeners, Jack's on top of this stuff. Like anything where the, the government or the centralized authority are trying to... Jack's banking always related. the first one <laughs> sending it HSBC in as well, it'll yeah. be even more so. So, Jack, when you saw this, what, what is so concerning? Why did this immediately come to the top of your concern and you had to send it to us in a three-way chat. What's the problem with PayPal doing this? I think it's just like another, um, what's the, what's the word you use to describe like uh, another stage of, uh, like acceleration escalation. in a trend, oh, right? Ex escalation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like there are plenty of, there are plenty of, uh, ways to talk about it, but this idea of like the ability to, sensor and de-platform this takes it to another level right it's like we literally yeah. like taking your financial resources away from you not banning you from transacting we're like debiting money that is yours from your account which is like egregious to another degree right no due process no like there's no court there's no law there's no this is just something that is determined in a conference room in Palo Alto or wherever else, or even like caught up in algorithmic things. Like my Twitter accounts got banned a couple of years ago. And then when I actually able to get through and speak to a person, they're like, oh yeah, it was done by accident. Well, I'm assuming they're going to write software to enforce a policy like this. How do you make sure that people don't get caught accidentally in the crossfire? One, and two, like it's just this indefinable um like what constitutes an infraction 
what is truth, what is not truth. The meme we just showed from not Jerome Powell, that guy's like, owes PayPal $5 million at this point, right? Because every tweet he's made is not true. Yeah, yeah. Like, where also, do you even draw the line? This is such on, an idiotic I wanna, thing I want to add suggest. one clarification. I believe that the defining mechanism is particularly targeted to organizations that are trying to raise money. So I don't know if it is specifically the users. Having said that, but that's your point. That's just the next level of escalation, right? So like, I just want to add one thing before I get Bilal's comment. So Jack, you kind of nailed it. The escalation has gone from what you experienced, having your social and ability to interact on social platforms uh, taken away. But then the next level up is your ability to make a living, right? We talked about this with the Canadian trucker crisis when the Canadian government uh, did the Emergencies Act. The first time in over 40 years during the uh, trucker protest, the Canadian government had basically pulled the War Measures Act to shut people out of the economy. And it was just based on, did you send money to the truckers, which they, in one broad sweep, said were all racist and misogynist and sexist. So, Blau, give us your two cents on the acceptable use policy. I'd never even heard of the AUP before, but it's, yeah. it's on my radar now. When I see a change in an AUP, I'm <laughs> reading through the fine print, boys. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, for people who obviously aren't seeing my screen right now, I've got a, a doc that Trung put together, which was the lowercase j journalist coming out, the six pages banged out of notes of uh, the stuff we're going to talk about, which I appreciate. Um, and my favorite is it's all in your voice. So the first part is called current situation, which is a nice few bullet points. Then this next one, context. PayPal's been fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> I was well, like, this is so good. So, Bilal, why don't you talk through what PayPal... So, this is, to Jack's point, this escalation, it's it's not the first time this has happened. Over the past 12 to 18 months, PayPal has slowly been creeping in to taking people's funds or freezing yeah. their accounts. And, and so, I can get go through a few of the examples you yeah. had flagged, but just to also clarify where we are today. So, we, there was the original, uh, the update, the AUP update, but they backtracked, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, and now the, the new update still threatens fines of up to $2,500 for promoting discriminatory intolerance. And in brackets, if you wrote this or someone else wrote very subjective. I think that's kind of the, the word that stood out to me is like, I guess any policy, like there's going to be some sort of, you know, gray area. That's kind of the nature of words. Um, <laughs> yes. but, but, you know, it's, it's like legal, legal words. Exactly. And that's why lawyers uh, make a living. But um, I think like even just like my limited experience working on like anything policy related, like I, my brain shuts off. Like it just doesn't like work for me. I'm just, it's never exciting for me. And so even let's just say like in the boring world of ad digital advertising, which I've have worked in a while, um, there's always these like subjective words. And, and like Jack just said, it's similar to your social media thing being taken down. It's like, it's always so subjective. And most of the time it's, just flagged by a computer and then there might be a human that is you know part of like the process at in some the bin, point right Blah. in the bin exactly bin. in the bin so that, that that is always the case but i think when it relates to like money specifically and taking money out that seems like you need to be even more bulletproof um so yeah that and it's just like of, a bizarre yeah. it's just a bizarre thing right to say like we're gonna fine you like don't you think that's a weird yeah you're right because it's it's a fine it's not just it's not um, when taking away the like funds freezing. you raised or yeah, returning yeah. it to the customer or anything like that. It's like, we are, this is our business plan. Mm. Like this is, there were some good tweets about this where it was like, uh, 
I think I sent it to you boys. It was like PayPal Mafia was supposed to refer to the alumni of uh, PayPal, not the business plan. Yeah. Which is essentially yeah, what they're completely. doing with like just imposing an arbitrary fine on people based on opaque rules yeah. that they're setting in the background. Mafia-esque, if you will. Yeah. Indeed. Well, let's actually, talk about that. A lot of Trump, former just people read... have come out. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, exactly. I was just going to bring that up. So I'm, I'm just going to read out quickly the David Marcus tweet because I think- Former it, president so, of PayPal. PayPal. And then after, was he not at Facebook or Messenger, right? He was at Facebook. He was doing all the no, crypto no. stuff at Facebook. Yeah, exactly. I've actually spoken to him over uh, email a few times. Flex, but he, flex. He basically, no, no, about this, uh, the Messenger and- Oh, yeah. It was like crypto stuff going on. So anyway, he's quite a, he's kind of a G. But he basically said, it's hard for me to openly criticize a company I used to love and gave so much to, but PayPal's new AUP goes against everything I believe in. A private company now gets to decide to take your money if you say something they disagree with. Insanity. And then Elon Musk responded saying, agreed. So yeah, those were, that was one of the more high-profile ones. And David um, Sachs, former founding COO of PayPal, he's actually been talking about this, and I'm sure on Friday he's going to give the full download on the All In podcast. Thank God yeah. we come out on Wednesday. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the what quote you shared, do you want me to quickly read that out? Yeah, what he yeah said? read David Sachs from this article he wrote last year. This is good. He said, if we continue down this path, a far more dangerous demagogue uh, could emerge. I implore my successors at PayPal and other big tech companies to stop throwing kindling on the fires of populism by locking people out of the online public square and the modern web-based economy silence voices and empty stomachs are fuel for the very extremism you claim to oppose i mean he got some bars in that, that yeah, was well, an, well let me let me expand on right. that a bit so he wrote that yeah. for barry weiss's common sense Substack, and uh, i think he published it separately this was last year it might have been around the canadian trucker time actually and in response to that but his his key point that we kind of touched on was this idea that hate speech can be policed by these fintech platforms. Um, obviously, the social platforms are already trying that. But he brings up a very good point. Is like, listen, it, the organizations that PayPal worked with to define hate speech, I mean, some of these are very well known, right? It's the Anti-Defamation League and the Southern Poverty Law Center. But these organizations started decades ago specifically on racism, specifically during the civil rights period. And they were doing stuff like, listen, KKK, Neo-Nazis, obviously bad. No question. But now, it's kind of trending towards where they've opened the remit of what they can define as hate speech and misinformation. And a lot of the stuff that's coming out now is they're just kind of aligned with Silicon Valley. And what is defined as hate speech is basically like conservative views, which is half the country of the United States, right? So he's basically saying, look, you're going from something that's very clear, very one lane into what is basically now just political policing which is crazy because we talked about it during the, the police stuff. It's like, you start pulling these weapons out, sure, you're happy now if you're supporting the government or these platforms, but what happens if the person uh, that doesn't share your views is now in that position of power? You're going to get rugged. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, what's that um, idiom? It's like, if you want to test the quality of the rules, hand them over to your worst enemy. Yeah, mm. exactly. That's perfect. Uh, yeah, I think um, the other thing that came up in all of the commentary that i've read on twitter is this like the warning shot for the cb cbdc right the central bank digital currency where it's like you spend you say x you don't get to use your mm, digital yeah. dollars here or this gets capped or like there's obviously a huge parallel here with like 
if you can basically turn the faucet off or you have like full control over somebody's spending power, the more digital oversight you add to that and centralization, the more you can lock somebody out of making certain decisions. It's China. It's the China the model, right? China right. just, uh, China literally has a social credit system and it's getting rebuilt in the West. Um, and I'll just add one more thing. The only other note I had here was, uh, the, the history of freezing online funds started in 2010 with PayPal. And it wasn't, it has nothing to do with their current uh, governance model, but they were coincidentally the one that started it. And it was with freezing, uh, the WikiLeaks funds because the U S government had determined that WikiLeaks was a bad actor, even though a couple of years before they had been like, Oh, this is amazing. Like they're showing all the bad stuff. These authoritarian regimes are doing, but I mean, yeah, WikiLeaks has done some sketchy stuff, so I'm not like necessarily defending them. But uh, it, it's funny that it started with PayPal in 2010. The current trend. Yeah. So, can I ask, is there, if we were trying to think from the other point of view, because like, I'm pretty much I'm on the side of all the things we've just said, but I'm just trying to be open-minded to what someone like at PayPal who made this decision would say. Do, have you read anything about that side of things? Where they, What's the justification for something like this, essentially? I, well, everything I've read about it was... It was so clearly a mistake. Uh, the most defensible one I've heard. So they said that there was an, it was done in error. But listen, we've all worked at big companies. There's no chance that this was written and put into an AUP by by chance. By Can accident, we ask? Yeah. Is there any chance? You guys oh, have been checked a billion by, times. By zero every organization, zero. stakeholder. They paid six figures, seven figures probably to even get the sentence, sentence written. Yeah, that's what I mean. All the lawyers that had to review it beforehand as well, yeah. So that's the part that was shocking to me, right? Is it's like I can't believe they sat down, wrote this, and thought it was a good idea. Uh, so Benedict Evan, tech analyst, former Andreessen uh, uh, partner, wrote that the way he saw it was this. This is like the most defensible thing I saw about it. Basically, like the lawyers wrote it, like we just talked about. And what the lawyer and legal doesn't realize is that these documents are marketing now, right? It's like the, literally the value and outreach to your potential customer base is in these legal documents. And it's more so now because people are like, everybody's online. Everybody's looking for people to slip up. So it sounds like they just kind of wrote this with their pure legal lens. They're not even thinking about what is the blowback potential here. So I think that's probably the most like uh, acceptable read of it. Uh, the least malicious it's just like a dumb legal mess up uh, but the fact that they're even discussing it is pretty uh i don't i don't know how defensible that is so the current state is this still the backtracked version is still kind of in play right so the, the of... one that uh you described which says it took out the misinformation part but it can find you for discriminatory or intolerant i believe that was active as of yesterday let me just pull up the paypal aup you guys just keep talking yeah i i just um thought of the word I was trying to use at the beginning, Rubicon. You cross the Rubicon, you can't go back. <laughs> yeah. It's like a cultural, yeah, yeah, yeah. a cultural, a cultural moment, right? Where this thing yeah. gets suggested or it's the Overton window or it's this idea yeah. of like this thing that was unimaginable is now out there. And uh, I yeah. also saw this interesting tweet about, we're going to start seeing people building products for political affiliation. So there's going to be a left and a right version of every product eventually. Like they're just oh, going to split versus off. versus anti-woke kind of? 
yeah, like you're going to have product market fit based on your philosophy before even the features of the product. Oh, dude, you're going to laugh so hard. There's a really, uh, uh, it was a hilarious story from the uh, Wall Street Journal yesterday. Somebody tried to build an anti-woke bank and, uh, and I think they were making, uh, like credit cards out of like spent ammunition cases as, as an F you to the lefties. That's but hilarious. This is the, but this is what Jesus happened. Christ. And it raised like 10 million from people like Peter Thiel. Uh, the, <laughs> the ammunition casings actually prevent you from swiping cards. I mean, this is just such a blunder, but I agree with Jack. Somebody brought up a great point though. It was like, what is the actual addressable market? for these like kind of niche kind of things, right? It's like, are oh, these venture fundable? Can you actually build the scale? Will you get network effects? I think to Jack's point is like, oh man, I say it kind of comes back to the crypto argument that we've been talking about for over a year, right? It's like you have a financial system, an existing financial and social system and big tech system, which is clearly centralizing, getting more authoritarian. That's the whole purpose for Bitcoin and Ethereum, even though it's fucking eating shit right now. <laughs> a bleep. Uh, but this anti-woke bank is an example of trying to launch something into the traditional system. But what is actually the appetite for that? So I, I, I'll put to you guys, what is the appetite for an anti-woke bank? I mean, I don't even know what it means. It's very bizarre. Like there's a, <laughs> I, I think you're gonna, one, the addressable market for that is like infinitesimally small versus like positioning it as like, uncensorable money right that was yeah, a yeah, great yeah. word by the way that was great <laughs> thank you the, the, the that stuff to me is like it's just such a waste of energy like as opposed to trying to like find like find commonality and the other thing that i would question even myself on is how close to reality is this versus how much of a twitter echo chamber is this right the average Shopify merchant, did they hear about this PayPal uh, like TOS change or did they just get the email that said our stuff's changed and they ignored it? I would imagine 95% of people did that. And then everybody who brand stands to benefit from pushing back against it or I didn't see anybody defending it, honestly, which is a very encouraging, for the most part, very encouraging thing to see, right? It's like we universally agree regardless of our political stance to where we are on the spectrum that like arbitrarily taking money away from people is a very dangerous precedent to set um i forget what even your question was now Trump, so i don't even know if i answered it but those are some more no 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 that, i think those thoughts were uh I, I you brought up a good point where no one really pushed no one kind of accepted it Right, it was pretty I didn't universal. See anyone defending it? It seems like a weird, like it's almost like a kid would, un like you know, a five-year-old be like, "That sounds like a terrible idea." Yeah, you know, well, like I think it, that's, but that's also the way we're. Test. No, I I agree with that. The only thing I'd say is, if you make it truly simplistic, where you, you know, you pick and choose what you're saying, and you say, PayPal, this big company, is making it harder for the bad guys in air quotes, like neo-Nazis and KKK members, to be able to raise money. If you just said that one line, a lot without going into details, a lot of people would actually say, oh, that's a good thing, even if they don't understand the implications of what that means. But mm -hmm, then mm -hmm, I think the true. key point was it's, it's kind of like branding anyone you don't agree with as the KKK or you know yeah. anyone on that extreme side. And that's been this kind of movement over the last 
you know, 15, 20 years of everyone agrees these are bad people, but then there's like this much more middle ground area, which is just people I don't agree with. There's and, a, yeah. Sorry, I have the AUP here and I just want to touch on, let's just kind of strike through them and you guys can laugh or give your thumbs up. <laughs> so prohibited activities related to in, uh, in, transactions involving narcotics. Makes sense. Steroids. Drug paraphernalia. He sounds good. Cigarettes. What is drug paraphernalia, though? Okay. Like that's, a, that's a great question. Even that is an interesting thing, right? Like, there's, there's a spectrum there where something could be used for consuming something legal and illegal. Let's not make any, like, specific examples. I'm sure everybody listening to <laughs> yeah. this is mature yeah. enough to well, imagine what that might be. Let me throw off a couple more things. This is going to hit some alarm bells. I should not read it. Items that encourage, promote, or facilitate illegal activity. So again, who's setting the laws? It's the government. The laws obviously change over time. Some are like wider, right? Like yeah. provinces, states, countries. PayPal is a global business. It, yep. Like, yeah. It's, it's oh yeah, you're right. Because then, if they're if they're operating in, for example, the Middle East, alcohol would be an illegal activity in certain countries. Um, items that are considered obscene. Yeah, this is actually kind of crazy. It's a very wide remit of what they will or will not accept. Yeah, I mean, like obscene to my grandma is different to obscene to you boys. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This very, is very bizarre. It is. It is actually kind of scary. Well, here's a, here's a TLDR. Just, uh, I'm not. I don't use PayPal. I, I don't think I will anymore. <laughs> I don't think I will in the future. That's. A, I think that's a takeaway. Yeah, that's your takeaway. All right. I thought you were about to say something else. Sorry. Yeah. But no, um, <laughs> I, I thought that was just the preface for what you could have. No, just letting him nice. know he's out of the game on PayPal. No, I, I get you, man. Well, I guess the wider question is, is this is a, a wider trend of companies kind of putting on, uh, sorry, it's really loud in the background if you can hear, um, putting their kind of like political affiliations into turning them into company policies. I don't know if they would agree with that, like they would say it's not a political affiliation, but uh, I was just actually listening to the podcast this morning with uh, Brian Armstrong on Tim Ferriss. And they were talking about, you know, he obviously um, sent that memo basically saying to the company, if you're here to protest, essentially, you can leave. And like, here's a, a package. And it was kind of brought up that whole conversation again, which I haven't really thought for a while because it's, it was like a couple of years ago by this point. And um, yeah, especially in Silicon Valley, which is obviously mostly left leaning. Um, and this is the thing I struggle with, too, because I'm mostly left leaning, too. Right. But. The, the problem is like, I have to divorce my own kind of bias with like the the logic of what's actually happening. And I remember like listening to conversations like 10 years ago that sounded really extreme. Like why are we being so harsh about certain things? But this is the consequence. It, it escalates and it gets from, oh, you're asking me to say something I don't agree with to now you're not allowed to say it to now you can't take this money because that company you're affiliated with does something I don't agree with. So that is kind of like what people on a higher level have been saying is going to keep happening if you just keep going in this direction. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say about it, but yeah, definitely interesting kind of case study of what's happening. All good on me, man. You have any yeah. more, Jack? No, I just, like, I think it's a good, uh, milestone in the inevitable adoption of decentralized <laughs> currencies boys not investment advice no. yeah exactly all right so we move on to tmz then 
Yeah. Let's move on to this. So, Trunk, do you want to tee this up? Because I didn't really follow it too much. But um, there, have, there, have you seen the Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole tape? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I Jack, saw you that. saw that? Yeah. Okay. The, uh, for the listeners that haven't seen it, just literally just type Draymond Green Jordan Poole. It was like the biggest... One of the, it was it was taken over Twitter that day. You know how Twitter always has a main for character. For people who aren't American, a lot of people don't know who he is. Draymond Green's a basketball, a basketball player for the player. Golden State Warriors. His teammate yeah. is Jordan Poole. So I'll, I'll, I'll frame why this is interesting. Uh, and it doesn't really matter what country you're from. Most professional sports, it's probably not surprising that teammates bicker. It's, you know, it's, it's like a high testosterone environment. They're, it's very physical. Fighting happens in every sport amongst teammates. And I'm sure it happens in practices in every sport. Um, but typically, those footages do not come out. Well, uh, let me ask you, uh, uh, Bilal, Mr. Soccer, Mr. Football, have you seen any clips of a, a European football practice yeah. where players there, have struck each other? Yeah, and there's definitely there's some famous ones, but there's also, just hearing interviews, they basically all say it happens all the time, Yeah, like you said. And most of the time, it's not captured on video because they're normally behind closed doors. Exactly. So this this idea here is that the NBA, unsurprisingly, it's a multi-billion dollar venture, is kind of a bit of a gatekeeper around what's happening behind the doors. You don't always want to see how the sausage is made. Like as a very famous example, Michael Jordan knocked out his, co- uh, his, his teammate, uh, Steve Kerr, during one of their championship seasons. And if there was tape then, you know, Michael Jordan's reputation probably would have been tarnished, but all we have is kind of this story and it's like, oh, what a competitor. It's like that. That's how it is, right? But that's a good point though, right? Because even then, like the time was different and now like the, just the saying like he knocked someone out seems yeah. kind of crazy now, but like, especially but with like, all the CTE video stuff. And- that, right? though, if you'd seen video, it's probably a lot, lot less romantic because- yeah. I mean, so this when this whole Jordan Poole Draymond thing happened, the the first initial news bits were like there was an altercation, Draymond Green will be suspended. So a lot of people read that they're like, oh, this sounds serious, but we don't know how serious it is. And then the tape comes out and it's vicious. It's like he could have broken his teammate's jaw, right? And I was listening to a po- an NBA podcast and they're just basically talking about this stuff is as Bilal talked about, about football. It's like it's all behind closed doors. And there's this gatekeeper idea, right? You're not you're not allowed to see what really happens behind the scenes. And if you do, it's gonna be managed. And I mean the reason I bring all that up is to talk about who got the tape. TMZ got the tape, right? And TMZ always gets the tape. And we're gonna talk about why TMZ always gets the tape. So Bilal had spoken at the beginning of this episode about what he thinks about TMZ, the newsbreakers. So we didn't ask Jack yet. Jack, TMZ. What's your gut instinct? What comes to mind when you hear the words TMZ and what do you know about them? Just like hyper tabloid is my interpretation of it. You know, like takes the concept of a tabloid newspaper and just puts it on steroids is how yeah. I'm like garish, you know, clickbait. Uh, like um, what's the word? Uh, like candid photography, you know, like none of this is... Uh, it's, it is like behind the scenes celebrity gossip magazine. Yeah, I mean, you know that that perception is exactly how I felt about you know TMZ and what I believed about it until I spent like five hours reading about them. And I mean, this is a real news organization. And 
uh, I want to frame a couple things. I don't want to defend everything TMZ does because they're, I mean, you've probably heard a lot of controversies, right? Like, um, so I'll give an idea of some of the stories that they've broken and to give them their news bona fides. They broke the Mel Gibson anti-Semitic thing. Uh, they broke Michael Jackson dying. That was a very big milestone actually for them. They broke, uh, what are the ones that they break? They've been around right? for so long too. Yeah, to since 2005. They've been around since 2005. Uh, they broke the Beyonce Jay-Z elevator fight, which is a classic. They broke Ray Rice punching his wife at a, at a casino. You don't know you guys remember that. That almost took down the NFL or the commissioner of the NFL. So, and, and here's the other thing. It's not just all celebrities. They have a couple. They, Harvey Levin, the founder, is a former lawyer. Whether or not you believe what I'm about to say, this is how he says he treats it. He cares about the truth. And he's like, he comes from a legal background and a lot of TMZ sources begin at the courthouse. So like, and there's a reason why they're, so they were backed by Time Warner or launched out of Time Warner for, that's how they this launched. Is cr that's crazy to me that there was like institutional backing behind this because looking at it, you would think the exact opposite, right? Exactly. This is what's so interesting. This is the reason why everything that comes out of TMZ has to be vetted, right? So Harvey Levin says, I use my law degree every five minutes. It's like they, they talk to the Time Warner legal back and forth constantly because dude, like you said, you have this legal backing, you're going to get sued through the roof. If you're Time Warner, how much liability do you have? This is why, and let's talk about the Draymond Green tape specifically. The first thing that anybody asked or the thing that became the biggest meme of it was how much did whoever took this video get paid by TMZ for it? There's just like this fascination, obviously. It's like, how much can you get paid for random like video or photo content? And the reason why TMZ will pay for this stuff, they don't pay for tips. They pay for video, a photo and uh, and legal documents because they have to have the evidence, right? They, it has to be incontrovertible. Uh, it, it can't be denied. It's like this happened. You you can't deny this tape, right? It's for the legal purposes. And this is actually goes to when I looked into the why. I'm like, this is such a real organization, and uh, uh, and and uh, and their background is so fascinating. So the the kind of questions I'll ask you guys is, with that kind of preamble. Does that change your opinion of TMZ of like what you thought about them? They're, they're a lot more of a news organization than just like, like you remember these like Perez Hilton blogs, like these celebrity blogs that are just shit yeah. on celebrities. Like this is how I kind of view TMZ now after reading, not to defend anything they do. You, I, it changes my opinion of the companies that back TMZ. Cause I always knew what TMZ was, <laughs> yeah. but the fact that they have like, you know, what you would consider to be like blue chip media companies fueling and legally vetting everything they're doing. I think that for me, at least that breaks a bit of an illusion that like these holding companies, you know, as much as they like to talk about themselves as news organizations, for the most part, they're entertainment. It's an entertainment industry, right? It's, it's bread and circuses. And like, if you look across the breadth of a portfolio, it's like, um, Succession, what's the name? Uh, what's the name of the company in Succession? Oh, Waystar. Waystar. Waystar, Waystar, yeah. Like they just care, like they're in the business of attention and TMZ is probably one of their most valuable assets in that pursuit, right? Dude, that's, cool. I mean, I, I totally agree with that assessment. Uh, it's very cynical when you think about it, right? And actually how it started kind of nails that point. So Time Warner and AOL, when they're, when they're previously combined, uh, they are no longer... But they own, do you guys remember Extra and Hollywood Tonight? Inside Hollywood? 
I remember Inside I Hollywood. So. I didn't know that. And Entertainment ones. Tonight, ET. So you guys okay, have probably yeah, seen these shows. Going, yeah, yeah, all these shows yeah, are still yeah. going. So basically, that's how Hollywood was managed by the mainstream media for decades. You would have a very the celebrities would agree to be photoed at these events, would agree to give very managed uh, uh, video of their lives, and like very polished and exactly like so filtered, this is, basically, right? It's exactly. like Instagram filters before they they were it's Instagram. Exactly, and this is like yeah. everything where we talk about this NIA so much, right? It's like taking down the gatekeepers, and now let's tease out this exact example because I think it might be the best example or one of the most salient. So that was how Hollywood was run. It was just so glamorous, and you know the, the people that ran Hollywood were the publicists. Do you guys have you guys ever worked with publicists in the past? Yeah, a little mm, bit. Yeah. Ish, not not within celebrity context, or like PR firms. And stuff right. Like oh, that. Yeah. blah. Why don't you give us a, a your publicist experience? Like, how much handholding is there? A lot. Like, well, you mean you mean in terms? I've done it in a few contexts. One for Creative Lab. A lot of the time, I'm working with a publicist who's they're promoting a book, or they've got like a client that and they their job is to like make sure everything's vetted versus okay, yeah. me what talking, is a publicist's job let's talk about that what is a publicist well, i think job? it varies depending on industry because there's de depending on like if it's for a celebrity versus a company because like you know publicists could also just be like pr person i guess right for yeah most companies have pr people so essentially it's, it's essentially managing press so it's like whether that is crafting the stories and the narrative of that person or company getting you know distribution essentially through interview booking interviews and making sh like hand holding with that person or show or whatever it ends up being um and then i think there's a lot of like inbound stuff too like people are reaching out to a celebrity to speak and that is the first line of defense to filter out does this marry up with the image that we want to have for this person um so that's generally how I, how i think of it but i don't know if that's actually a good definition no i think that's right it's like they're controlling the image and so this is like this probably not going to be surprising to you guys. Publicists controlled Hollywood before TMZ. They had the clients and they were telling what media outlets could and could not print. Mm, so yeah. what TMZ does, classic disruption. TMZ is not going to play that game. Harvey Levin's like, I'm not going to play that game. So Time Warner offered him all these clips from, they had these archives of running these television shows and he's like, I'm not interested in that. I'm going to launch a website, but it's going to be internet native. What that means is this. If news breaks, we're posting it immediately we're going to be first we're not going to wait for the television show a couple hours later we're not going to wait for the magazine that drops once a week so this is a very internet native idea and you remember 2005 this was not a thing this is, it's crazy to think this was not a thing in 2005 so he goes and the reason he thinks this way is he had a failed tv show uh, called celebrity justice and his show would break news but it would the time it broke to the time it could get on it'd be already old news right so he goes, all right, what, what can we do on the internet that People Magazine, the weekly that you see at the grocery stand, what can't they do? We'll publish shitty images, grainy, grainy images. Because people on Us Weekly, they only take polished images, right? So we're going to post anything that's true, which is what they've done. So that's the first hack they did. The second thing, they post immediately. And so they're doing these two internet native things that these old magazines and television things can't do. And that immediately gives them a massive advantage. So the second part of what they did, it was super interesting was for about the first four years of the existence, they were just, and it, like 
they're just like the major news outlets, CNN, New York Times. They look at them like as if this like this fascinating carnival, right? They didn't take them seriously, and they they would republish the stories that were viral, like uh, TMZ really uh, they broke that Mel Gibson anti-Semitic rant story. But the way they did that was they actually went to the courthouse to see that the police were covering up the rant. So they're doing proper reporting, and then going and giving the, the this kind of viral news story to the uh, uh, mainstream media. But for four years, no one took him seriously until the Michael Jackson story broke in 2009. They got it That's right. That's the one that blew them up even exactly. more. Exactly. So 2009, Michael Jackson dies. They are the first one to report it because this is the other part of their business. Not surprising anyone. They have a network of informants and sources. And it's just literally cash rules everything around me. They just, we're talking, they know people that know people, $100 bills. You go to the hotel, you give the, the bellman a hundred bucks. He's like, yo, tell me what celebrity is coming in here. Give me a list. Give another hundred bucks at the end of the night. Stuff like that. They have people at United Airlines. Um, uh, the, the airline hostesses is like, here's a thousand dollars. Tell me what time a celebrity is landing. You know, those crazy clips they have where there's like, it's like the classic TMZ clip, right? They're just at the airport and like Leonardo DiCaprio just landed yeah, and just asking yeah. questions. That's how they do it. They have this network they've built all under the table money, um, cash. They try to give it a, a, like a couple dimensions removed. But uh, yeah, no one took them seriously until the Michael Jackson thing. And then they realized these guys are moving at the speed of the internet. So again, back to you guys. Gatekeeper as a way of using the internet to run around the gatekeepers. That's pretty, that's a, like iconic case study. Yeah, yeah. Go, go on, Jack. Boys, uh, I was just going to uh, share this. I pulled this up while you were talking. Yeah, go on. The, the internet wow, is this the original? On TMZ. Oh, that's what amazing. Year what year was this? 2005. Oh, my goodness. This is 2005, and this says Incredible. TMZ.com. Beta. Beta. In the top. Beta. <laughs> Look, read Beta. the headline. Read the headline. <laughs> Beta. <laughs> Pregnancy dangerous. This is Tom Cruise and uh, what's her name? Katie. Katie Holmes. Holmes? They're peeling, they're peeling Holmes. back the the the... the the whatever it's called, right? The, what's that word? You peel back the curtain. They're the showing that yeah, these yeah, people yeah. don't live these glamorous lives. They're just they're just living benign lives like us uh, in a lot of ways, right? Well, I love a, that. I a, Kanye just does it himself, man. He yeah. just releases peels he it back himself. on himself. Yeah, yeah, but, man. But go yes, on, Jack. You're that, basically that, saying. I think that you're basically making the same point I am, where like he realized before everybody else that like the the truly rare and interesting stuff is the unpolished, unfiltered. Like if you've, the world of celebrity has this like veneer on top of it, you can just instantly like slice through the entire thing by presenting it in a completely different way, just framing it as like, this is a, you know, a shaky camera pointing at somebody going to the shops versus like the red carpet thing. So you instantly just have this massive magnet for attention because you're completely turning a narrative on its head and people I don't think can resist that level of voyeurism and like oh they can't dude these it's people unresistible. Are already, irresistible yeah, these people are already like you have a vision of this person in your mind and everybody is um you know for, for the most part the other thing in your um in your right up trunk was the 45 percent of the consumption of TMZ is a male audience which is just like fascinating how and that's blown up different to as well yeah cause, and could you just the comparison i think um us magazine or and people is 11 and 15 percent or 15 percent 
uh, sorry, People is 11%, Us Magazine is... Um, male male viewership, yeah, an audience. That's Much crazy, lower. That's yeah, yeah, crazy. sorry, I'm, that's what I was, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so, that, so it's mostly females r- reading that, right? So versus TMZ is a lot 50, more split. 50-50, basically, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, well, that's a big Look at the branding, difference. look at the branding of TMZ. Look at the color schemes. It's black, it's red. It's just like, it's, it's not mm. trying to be glamorous. And I mean, it's very intentional. And I mean, a lot of people probably know TMZ from the television show, which is uh, just them in the newsroom discussing the stories. It's genius, yeah. like reality show. Um, and let me, let me actually throw you guys, a, you guys will appreciate this, a couple of fun facts. So TMZ stands for 30 Mile Zone, great name. And 30 Mile Zone was back in early days of Hollywood, is if you're a union worker, you can only work within the 30 Mile Zone. And you, your your union uh, also be like, do not go outside here. They can't. Right. They're not. They're smart, right? So this is really funny. So Harvey Levin, man, this guy is slick. Have you guys seen Harvey Levin? He's jacked. He wakes up at three thirty every morning. He's like sixty five years old now. Totally jacked. Um, listen, I've I heard like he, I'm not trying to lionize this guy, but he's done some shitty stuff, and a lot of people don't like him. Uh, a lot of his colleagues say. The work environment teams is insane. You're just chasing leads all day, right? It's like working 50. Sounds like Bilal working in the Google bin. It's like 15 <laughs> hours a day, <laughs> sifting through hundreds of leads and tips. Drinking 12 oh, lattes. Brute, like a yeah. brutal business. Brutal man. business. Like, brutal well, that, business. Why would you want to do that? Trunk, I was going to say for, to your original question, which I didn't fully answer, you said, like, um, kind of like, do we have respect for it? Or, you know, what is the perception of yeah, it yeah. compared to like being a. You know a challenger or whatever um so from that i definitely agree now that you've told me all this stuff what they're doing going to the courthouse and like you know they're hustling away dropping hundred dollar bills to people like one part of me you know respects how much goes into it but then the other side of me just as a principal is like yeah obviously it's just like the worst of like humanity yeah. at the same time i also know that is the truth like we all love that stuff even if we don't mean to right like I was sharing the Kanye stuff with you guys this week in this, and so were you guys because even though I feel kind of bad because he seems to be like going through a moment, there's there's a part of you that is just naturally interested in... It's the parasocial so, stuff, right? It's, it's the, the parasocial stuff, exactly. It's just... Well, actually, let me... Actually, this will be an interesting segment. We'll run a couple. Let me t- tell you guys what he says the ethic of TMZ is. So I listened to... I uh, sent Jack and you guys... Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to listen. He gave two lectures at the University of Chicago. Uh... And this is like for listeners and viewers, let me give you a fun fact fan tip. Some of the best content in the world are successful entrepreneurs and successful business people or whatever field going back to the alma mater and giving yeah. a commencement speech or even just a lecture. Cause they, 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 they don't hold anything back because they love that institution, right? And they want to share everything and learn. That's the one place where you always that was where find... You, you did the Virgil one was from... Exactly. From he did three lectures lecture. and like people love giving back. So Harvey Levin goes to the University of Chicago where he got a law degree. I mean, this guy's fucking smart. And uh, he's explaining his ethic around TMZ. So right now, everything I've said, you guys are probably thinking, this guy's got no... This the organization has no ethics. They'll publish anything they'll get eyeballs. eyeballs. So this is what he says. He will try to avoid bedroom stories. He doesn't want to go into people's bedrooms. And he, he will avoid stories about children and minors. So a couple of things that may contradict that. So they famously released a tape of Alec Baldwin yelling at his daughter. You guys remember that? Oh, yeah. That was yeah. wild. This is, so when asked about, okay, if you don't talk about children, why did you release this? He goes along the lines of, well, that was actually Alec Baldwin yelling at his daughter. She wasn't directly involved... And he said 
the reason they did that, that's already public record. It was at the LA courthouse. It's like, we're publishing something that we believe should be a public record. And the heuristic and shorthand we're using for that is, is it in the courthouse records? So what do you guys think about that as a kind of a de- delineating line? He's like, listen, if it's in the courthouse, we think it's fair game. Thoughts? Jack, any, I'd, I, I, if everyone could uh, see think, Jack's face there would be key there. <laughs> Your I reaction think like, for somebody who studied law, like what is ethical by the letter of the law is something that is obviously, you can kind of use that as a way to fall back and convince yourself that something is ethical. Yeah, exactly. As a matter of public record, like whose life is improving as a result of like them knowing that Alec Baldwin is doing X. Yeah. If it's already in the court system, if like you're not drawing attention to it to further the outcome of a case or i don't know it's just like uh i would never it's, it feels weird right interested I agree in being in that business yeah. so it's hard for me to judge it but it's good to know that there are some it's a very like, lawyerly answer a line right. yeah it's exactly. such a lawyerly that's a good way answer. to put it but i it's was like, gonna say the same it's like you again i'm not similar to jack I i'm not gonna judge someone for doing this if he's legal or whatever but like i would just skip the ethical part like i like just we know what you're doing. You're, you created a monster of a business. Like there's nothing r- wrong with you making money. If p- there's an appetite for it in the market, you're more than welcome to do it. But to then just be like, oh, well, we're moral, we're ethical because of these like lines is quite a weird line. You know, like this. He does say it's shifting. He says it's not a clear line, but to okay, your point, fair, it's like, fair. but the fact that, well, because they're being forced to defend themselves, right? It's like, what, like, what lines do you guys draw? I think when you go down you know, that trap, you can't, it's a bit of a trap though. It's kind of like when you, you as soon as you start talking about that, you can always find examples to counteract what you're saying. So I think it's more just saying like, I, I personally just prefer the approach of like, this is what we do. This is what we don't do. It's fine. Like kind of what he said, but like it, using the word ethical when your job is to go and get, basically get dealt on people and follow them around. And like, like that's not the amplify most, whatever it is. Yeah, right? that's what you're exactly. doing. You're amplifying it. And also it's the way I would, the filter I would have, and again, not saying I'm like morally superior. I'm just saying like, I would say personally, would I want someone doing this to me? And if the answer is no, I would probably not want to do that for the rest of my life as a business, right? Yeah. But that doesn't mean he shouldn't do it. It's up to him. I'm just saying like, for me personally, that is what I would think of when you're thinking of an ethical lens that it's a very personal, subjective thing. Let's get Sailor on it, boys. Yeah. Must be <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are the ethics? These rules <laughs> yeah. go back to Hammurabi's uh, code. It's and- true though. It's the it's the like do unto others, right? It's the oldest exactly. uh, rule in the book. Yeah. Well, well let I, me let me sorry, Bilal. Let me give go, a couple more examples on. so we can kind of walk. So this is I'll give one example where he he brought this up again. He he actually says it's like I'm not trying to sound sanctimonious. I just want to explain that I do have certain uh, red lines I won't cross. So he got a a a video of um of uh, Michael Phelps, a uh, Olympic swimmer, a uh, uh, legendary. Uh, in terms of how many gold medals he's won, American Olympic swimmer, smoking a bong. And he got that three months smoking before somebody else published when it. When he was a kid, right? Not, no, no, no. Or when uh, he was actually the, like, swimming. Swimming. So would have gone oh, larger. Wow. He decided not to publish it. He said the reason why is like, this felt like a plant to me. He's like, we didn't want to amplify something that felt like a plant. So that's plant another thing how? he said. Like somebody yeah. set up uh, Michael Phelps. 
like a teammate or a competitor or gave him a some, bong and then snapped the pit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like basically, or like done something to set him up, right? It's like that. Yeah. That's what he's saying. So oh, it sounds like you're doing it. Capacity on him, do, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if he's doing it, then I don't know what the difference is, right? Like, okay. you, arguably, that is more interesting, or that is more aligned with public interest. Like this athlete that's competing at the highest level. Again, this is not me saying that like what he's doing is wrong, but it's like. This is a controversial activity that is uh, embroiled yeah. in athlete, while there's right? a lot of or, eyes yeah. on somebody. I don't know. I think well, that's I love these debates, right? Like, it's like that we... almost vindicates what you said previously. Like, yeah. That's your personal, like, it's you're making a judgment call, right? Yeah. Versus, like, if it's true, we run it. That breaks that, that breaks that uh, I, I guess... mission statement, right? Right. The filter is that if that was in private too versus like the public knowledge thing, I don't know if that's a part of it too because like there was recently as an Arsenal fan, there was a, a our old striker Aubameyang just got, there was like a leaked video of him. I, I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be public and he knew or not, but he was basically talking about the Arsenal manager and saying like some bad stuff about him. Right. And it was, but it looked like some dudes in the corner with a, with a like cell phone. And that sort of stuff, like you, that he's clearly talking in private, you know. And and when it gets leaked, it's just completely out of context, and like people jump on it. So I'd say it's similar to this, like if he's in his house smoking a bong, like, but again, without knowing the details of like the legalities of it for the sport, right? Because I think that's the the main thing here is like he's a sportsman. If some random, if Kanye is ripping a bong, like no one cares, right? So. It's more the fact that he's a uh, he's an elite athlete competing. Well, listening to you guys has actually uh, brought a, a me lot back. This... Sorry, I just want to say that listening to say... you guys talk, I'm more convinced now that the team is in the wrong, or like it's yeah. just yeah. an <laughs> icky business. It's like yeah. I, I have oh, read sure. it, and I was convinced. I'm like, you know what? The whole courthouse stuff. But go, go ahead, Jack. I was gonna say that idea of privacy. It's like all of this shit is private, or is intended to be. If this stuff results in somebody's like reputation getting tarnished or 10 million people wanting to watch it, it wasn't something they like walked out onto Hollywood Boulevard and did, right? It's like from the practice room. I don't think Alex Baldwin's like, I don't know the details of this one, by the way. So I might be making this up, but why well, I'm making this up, but I don't know if he did that like in the middle of a supermarket or something like it's a leaked tape. Michael Jackson died in his house. That's a private, like it's all private. So I think there's like a, I don't know. That's an interesting thing for him to have on record about Michael Phelps when you could have just either not said it or... Uh, you're right. It's true. By the time you're talking about it, it's like when you say, I'm such a nice person because I didn't make fun of you, but then you <laughs> make the joke anyway about the person. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> well, here's the, I could say this about you, Bilal, but I'm not gonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, yeah. Well, try, here's I was just one. Gonna, go ahead, go, go ahead. Could I ask one real quick question, yeah. especially with Jack as well and your perception being Canadian. Like, we obviously grew up in the UK with the worst of the worst British tabloid media, right? Like, they are 10 out of 10 digging up dead kids, like, um, phone records. Well, the records, voicemail was a famous the one, right? Like, I think Piers Morgan was involved with that one, yeah. I think, with the mirror or something like that back in the day. Um, so, like, we kind of grew up with that level of, like, tabloid terrible media. So, um, for me, like, this stuff doesn't seem anywhere near as bad as you know, the stuff that we kind of grew up um, listening to. But I'm curious, like, how would you compare TMZ to a Daily Mail or, like, the other big tabloid-style things that are just leaking all the I crazy stuff? I think Daily Mail is a lot more savage because they'll publish anything, right? They, yeah. uh, uh, TMZ tries to stay in the celebrity lane, 
Um, they did one time break a story about a, a Northern Trust Bank right after the financial crisis through like a big champagne party, and they broke that story, which is quite positive. It was it was referenced by a Congress during a hearing, um, but I think my gut says TMZ is a lot worse. I'm not sorry. Daily Mail is they'll publish anything, and they what's have. The, what's the name? Sorry, Tron. What's the name of those like uh, magazines you see like by the checkout in the tabloids, supermarket? Tabloids, right? Oh, but as you said, like the gossip magazine, like there's, Us Weekly, people, isn't that the ones we were? There's an American about? one called like Daily something, and the headlines we're on there are just like oh, National Enquirer, like they're like that. Well, oh yeah, yeah. Well, here yeah. I'll tell you the difference <laughs> between National Enquirer. I actually wrote it here. He said the difference with the National Enquirer is just like again, it's just so National Enquirer doesn't actually require uh, video or photo proof. They'll they're willing to uh, do a lie detector test with somebody. Uh, to prove the so source, which is Jerry Springer, which bro. Is, <laughs> yeah, which is like, is that like a legal defense? Like that's their legal defense. <laughs> yeah, is it that somebody Where, a lie detector. Yeah. Whereas Levin wow. is like, no, we will only. That's why he's like, we want to document photo, video. Okay, so, so uh, my my answer was, well, Canada, we don't really have that culture. Um, it's, it's Canada, we're sleepy backwater. You already knew that. <laughs> so I think Daily Mail is worse for those reasons. I think National Enquirer is by far the worst. National Enquirer is insane, right? Um. Let me let me put one more case study. Justin Bieber, early in his career, is already quite successful. Uh, a video comes out. I think this is a late OOS of him saying the N word, and uh, and Teamsy gets a uh, uh, Teamsy gets that uh, video. They call Scooter Braun, uh, Bieber's agent, is like, listen, we're going to publish this, and uh, Scooter Braun just bagged him. He's like, you're going to destroy this kid's career. And then Levin tells the story. And again, I, I know you guys can roll your eyes. It's like as if he's being, he, he's not being saying to most. He's like, he's very blow by blow. He's like, this is what I did. I told Scooter Braun I was going to do it. And uh, I slept, I couldn't sleep that night. And I called him the next day and I said, I'm not going to do it. And they're like, oh, thank you so much for not publishing this. And then over the following weeks and months and even the years, they started getting, TMZ did, really good coverage of Justin Bieber, right? This is obviously a quid pro quo. So the thing that TMZ has, it's famous. They have a vault. They have a vault of stuff, uh, of incriminating things. It's a very famous quote by another tabloid magazine from the 50s, which basically said, the power is not in what is shown, it's in what is not shown. And it's some might call it blackmail. I don't know. Would you guys call it blackmail if you have a vault of incriminating Textbook stuff? Textbook definition, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. Uh, what is the textbook definition? Can somebody pull it so, up? So he said this at the he said this at the commencement speech. No, Jay, is it the journal New Yorker article or one of the speeches where he's explaining? No, no, it was in the New Yorker article. Sorry, sorry. New Yorker had uncovered kind of this backstory. So Demanding I wonder if the quid pro another, quo okay. stopped after he yeah. After so he here's said a blackmail. Anyway. Well, I don't know. It doesn't even necessarily have to be a quid pro quo. Right? It's like these guys did assault. Everybody just knows the game. It's like, these guys didn't publish it. They're sitting on it. Let's just feed them positive stuff. It's not direct blackmail. It's effed up, right? It's manipulative. It's, it, it, there's clearly this sense of, hey, we know, right? There's that. There's that thing going on. So, I mean, Well, this I is where being a lawyer helps you, right? It's like, you can skirt so close to the line <laughs> and you know what can and can't be said or what can and can't be heard. Yeah, because they're not asking to... for anything, right? There's like, we have this. Right? We have this. We're not. We're not asking. We're not asking you for money, but then obviously you're incentivized. 
as Scooter Braun and Justin Bieber to feed them positive photos and like scoops of his life, right? It's completely messed up. I, I get that. I'm just saying that this is like kind of where the power really comes from and how they're wielding it. Yeah. Yeah. So Trung, you mentioned the fees. You mentioned the fees a little bit before, but did we did we uh, outline the amounts people are paid? Yeah, I don't I don't know how clear it is because I'll, I'll walk you through some of the numbers. Yeah. So Michael Richards, you guys remember the uh, Kramer from Seinfeld, that really famous video of him saying uh, really racist stuff, like he's saying he's gonna hang somebody from a tree. Uh, oh really, yeah, I do no. yeah, now that remember. Now he said that, it, I remember that ruined his comedy that, yeah. career. Um, so. He was paid, it's called several thousand dollars. That's how much teams he paid for that one. So I'll list a couple things off. Which sounds like nothing, right? Like It sounds like thousand? nothing for how much, like, so I think teams he makes 40 to 50 million a year. They're actually not that big of a business. They sold to mm. Fox last year for 50 million um, as a company, which is sounds a lot less than their influence. Um, but here's a couple of dollar signs I'll assign to you. So Beyonce Jay-Z fight was apparently $250,000. I've heard as low as 5000 but I'll tell you what these numbers are for the other ones, and you'll probably say, yeah, that sounds about right. 5K so, sounds Yeah, for the amount of attention that was. For Jay-Z, but that was one in the elevator, right? Exactly. So yeah. these are the confirmed numbers. They, uh, an escort, one of Charlie Sheen's escorts, gave TMZ a check that he had given her for the night together. It's a $30,000 check. They paid her $80,000 for that photo. Okay, so there's one. Ray Rice punching his wife inside the elevator of a casino, I believe. $90,000 for that. I mean, dude, the more I talk about it, it sounds awful, right? Like, the yeah, stuff that... Yeah. Although yeah. the Ray Rice thing was because NFL was covering it up. That's another thing he talks about. When people cover stuff up, that's when I really... He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go after these guys, which is fair. It goes back to the whole gatekeeping thing. And the NFL literally almost went down for this. Um, Drake at a, at a strip club for $5,000. Uh, <laughs> which is kind of funny. And um, yeah, so that's a range. You so, got one in here, Drake hanging out. State, yeah, yeah. State, is that the one you're saying? Stadium club in DC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, stadium club is that? It might just be a nightclub, okay. actually. So I thought I read it first as hanging out in a stadium. Because you remember there was that one video of him in a stadium on oh, a yeah, date, in the but box. like he had the whole state. No, but he had the whole stadium. Oh, the whole stadium. I don't remember that one. I, I I don't know if I'm making that, up, but yeah, that I thought that was the one you're talking about. Um, no, again, he probably leaked himself on drone footage or something <laughs> like that. Because he knows what he's doing. Um, anyway, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea if these numbers are, you know, right or whatever. These are from New Yorker and it's uh, a crazy, Buzzfeed. crazy business, man. So it sounds like the Draymond clip should probably be six figures. I, I, meh, I don't know how big. I mean, if Ray Rice is 90, and this is also, but Ray Rice punched his wife, man. That's crazy, dude. That's terrible. Yeah, and it's, yeah. I mean, you got to account for inflation too, though. That was some I think time Draymond, ago. Draymond's probably, honestly, 100,000 plus easily. Yeah. That's a big problem because that was a private. That was in training, right? In training, dude. It was in. The, Who the hell is recording that? Even? But dude, this is what I mean, though. Is like the gate. The this is how they smash gatekeepers. Like they get this stuff, and, and I don't even think we've settled it. I don't even know if we feel if this is right or wrong. Is it okay to smash gatekeepers? Is it okay to get rid of this polished image? Like where is the line? There's clearly a line. Part, I think that part is good, but the the problem is, yeah, you're right. There's a line, and I think it's. Like when someone is abusing their partner in public and they get called out, I think that's obviously a good thing. Whereas someone's doing something random and it's not illegal or whatever, they're just embarrassed. Like that might be a different thing, right? So I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough one, man. I, I definitely well, they, would never want to work in this, but yeah. 
they're a different type of gatekeeper, really, right? It's just uh Oh, you're right. Yeah. A different lens on it. Well, actually, just yeah. Jack nailed it. They are different type. Of, uh, I forgot to mention this part. So publicists now play nice with TMZ because they know that TMZ's version, they know what they're going to get. TMZ is going to be like, here's a photo, here's the video. It's like the least worst version of how it can go out now. You know what I mean? Because it's just by blah, blah, blah. This is what happened. And publicists are now, if something shady is going to happen, are going to TMZ and be like, listen, this is going to come out. We want you guys to do oh, it. Oh, that's this interesting. So they just rather They've completely it flipped the power model. Like, because you know, this is, again, this is from Harvey. I'm sure a lot of people might disagree with this. He's like, publicists will come to us now because they know that our version of it will probably be the least worst version of how it will be portrayed. So that's one way to think about it. But they, yeah, you're right. To Jack's point, they're just a gatekeeper. Versus now. who? Versus yeah. who? Well, I mean, like who, it could be. Who do they think? Because like they have the their bloggers, ear, basically. Like if, if somebody's going to run it without to talking it? to them. Yeah. Because right, they right, have to vet right. everything legally multiple times, right? It's like a no, that not, makes sense. Yeah. So, th to your point, you're right. They are they're the new gatekeeper. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, I think it's a, it's this distribution argument that we, or not even argument, discussion that we have all the time. It's like uh, I watched uh, Mr. Beast building a new studio. He's got like a two hundred thousand square foot aircraft hangar where he's building a studio somewhere, and you go through that, and it's like. Oh, this is just the new TV studio, right? Like this is, he now become like, maybe this definition isn't right, but you have the attention and now people that don't have the attention you have, have to play by your rules. That's just how like, this is like yeah, a circle of life. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I don't know. It's uh, maybe contradictions, contradicting some of the things I say regularly, but the, it's like, human nature just uh reorganizing itself in the same uh in the same hierarchy but just with like different platforms different uh like slightly Names different manifestations yeah, of yeah. the same dynamics yeah that's a fair point yeah well that that's the last thing i'll say on the trunk is i kind of mentioned it before but for me like i've rationally want this all to not ever exist in the world like the idealistic version of me that was like 18 years old but the 30 something year old version of me is like we all love this stuff like you said the parasocial stuff there's a reason there's 50 million tv shows following people on a boat or an island or big brother or whatever because they're inherently interesting and so like the as someone who believes in the market deciding like yeah it's kind of clearly there's enough attention on it people want to see this stuff and yeah, so I'm not against them completely. I do. I just think like they should stay out of trying to say if it's moral or not, because it's just clearly just you're just doing your thing. I'm not saying they're immoral. They should just they should stick to kind of what they're what they're doing. Um, anyway, that, anything else on that before we close out, boys? I think um, if you if we've got time, we can do the fun fact fandom Philippines if if you want. Okay, we said I saved something else. Is there anything? Why don't we? Why don't we talk about uh uh this uh, this crazy Joe Rogan Steve Jobs AI thing? Oh yeah, mm, yeah, let's do that. Do you want? Are you able record. to play it? Are you able yeah. to play it on the well, screen? Well, can you play the clip for me? My audio is kind of messed up. Uh, yeah, but give me one second. I'm actually, just gonna pull it up. This is great. Just play that thirty second clip for the listeners, because so for the listeners, there's there's a website called Podcast uh, AI, and what the the engineers behind this uh website have done is they probably trained um their their machine learning models on thousands of hours of Joe Rogan audio, which 
obviously exists and like taking all the Steve Jobs uh, presentations and they did a 20 minute AI generated conversation so between good. Joe Rogan and Steve Jobs. I mean, this is mind blowing. I'm going to try to display it now through the screen. One yeah. second. Hello, freak bitches. Welcome to another episode of the Bro Jogan Experience. And on this episode, <laughs> I welcome my friend who's difficult to describe. I'm fascinated by him, and I hope you'll be too. It's great to be on the show. Your audience is just so different from your normal Apple users, and that's a good thing. It's cool. Well, <laughs> you know, I was an Apple user way before I did this show. I've been a fan of yours and Macintosh since the 1980s. Hmm. Hello, freak bitch. That's good, Guys, man. give me your immediate reactions, please. Jack, you got one. I would, I would want to listen to the whole thing to see how much of it is... Um, like how, how much it flows. But go on, I'll, I'll tell mine in a second. But Jack, you got any thoughts, mate? You know, when it when this stuff first came out on every medium, it felt like a mashup of stuff that existed. So to judge it, I would basically try and think about the difference between whether or not it's clipping a sentence at a time and putting it together, or it's like thinking about constructing new thoughts. So I don't know. Based on what he said, I would imagine it's. Uh, it's you know what actually struck me the most? The, the, the thing that struck me the most is like the statements that are made with conviction. Like I've been a fan of yours and Macintosh's since the 80s, where it's like Joe Rogan, I don't know if he's ever said that sequence of words in that order, but if not, that's 2500 bucks fine from PayPal, my friend. <laughs> that's, that's misinformation. But I that's think we're just lot. getting into like these crazy ethical, like, questions about truth and man it's just crazy i think people get people are like really excited about this stuff and it's also uh just the you can imagine streaming platforms like conversations like we're having at a certain point you can train an ai to make this the most compelling thing in the world like tmz on steroids and then i think you get to like the wally you know slob in a chair like just oh like you just fed, get the like exact dopamine exact content you want that's it you will watch a one of one piece of content that's just tailored for you yeah the tiktok like yeah it's, it's it's wild man i haven't really given it enough thought to give a um articulate answer i don't think but that is definitely a to produce 20 minutes of conversation that feels like a big leap from the other stuff that we've been seeing yeah. and i haven't listened to all of it so i'm assuming it's good if they're like promoting it and people are talking about it but i need to listen to it to give let me uh let me judgment. add to you, something you said last week jack you said that uh you know how the momentum for investing had kind of gone from vc investing had gone from crypto to ai i mean ai is mm -hmm. having a massive moment right now right started with gpt3 uh a language model where they could generate text and then it went to this image this insane image stuff dolly mid-journey uh stability and um all of this of all those things that happen for some reason this one to me is the i'm like this is crazy this is absolutely insane and <laughs> i want to read you guys some of the comments because i think it it nailed first of all here's a here's a this quote tweets i have what the f is this sorcery uh, and then another one was yeah it's pretty obvious that rogan's voice was trained on his episodes jobs was likely trained on his presentations 
and then brings a good point though. You can hear the mismatch in tone and manner of speaking, but it's a pretty good representation. Um, and then this is where it gets real dark, and we can circle back to our PayPal chat. Uh, this guy says mighty, but so user mighty but socially awkward says two years until the government and big companies use AI to brainstorm us. Imagine hearing your favorite singer singing a song with your name, asking you to vote for something or buy something. Yeah, man, dude, this is actually all kind of ropes together, man. It's like that right there ties into the TMZ parasocial part and then ties into the PayPal. The misinformation yeah. of PayPal? Yeah, well, yeah. No, can I you mean, imagine the, the, the misinformation that will come? What's yeah. the, the AI National Enquirer going to be? Yeah. Not good. Not yeah, good. Yeah, wow. <laughs> oh, here's a video. Like, you can give a video prompt, right, for uh, Draymond Green punching yeah. whoever in the gym. They go make it. And then... You all of these institutions that rely on video evidence now have to go like, I don't know how the legal profession keeps up with that. Maybe there are tools that exist that allow you to like check and verify the, but a video clip is not the source of truth that we once thought it was. Well, you actually you know what I think might happen. It becomes a, uh, it becomes the default assumptions. Everything's fake, which is obviously not great either, mm. <laughs> but that's, that's where exactly. we're headed. I think that's true. That's a big problem too, yeah. because when something bad's happening, you you just be, assume it's wrong. It's like you Are we know when you drop become... the bomb now that this episode wasn't us. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> thank you, AI podcast up. AI. Th thank you, podcast <laughs> AI. It's wild, man. I mean, yeah. I think also with audio, like I didn't. Did they have video for this too? It's just audio, obviously, right? I'm assuming it's audio because it's just audio right now. Yeah. But that stuff is not far off either. But if you think of like, if stuff. you think the Joe Rogan experience view, like with the curtain in the background or it used to be, now it's like a slight different one. And like, if you can superimpose like that person on, if there's a video of him giving a talk in another setting, you could easily like superimpose that on there. Like that is really kind of crazy, man. Yeah. Cause I, I think of the comedy clips where people are doing things like, Joe Rogan talks to Bro Rogan, like talking to himself. Bro, Have you seen bro those? Jogan. Bro Jogan. Or like Donald Trump interviewing Donald Trump and they're just cutting the stuff which takes forever. But this is just being done because that's normally done manually. This is done like just AI, like it's incredible. It's this really, is the only really way to... My thought, let me give the one thought, because I've actually have thought about this. Uh, what happens when AI starts taking all the different jobs, the white collar jobs? So for a long time, I was convinced that humor was the last bastion. But humor can also be coded, right? Like a lot of jokes on Twitter are the same. It's like line one is, is about topic A. Line two is about topic A. Line three is just a reverse of whatever topic A is, right? So like it's very formulaic. So, but I was always convinced that the, I mean, Bilal, you're a comedy guy. You've gone, to, you've gone to economy sellers and you watch people build up these jokes and then pay them, pay them off minutes later, bits later. It's like, can AI do that? I, I was convinced it's one of the hardest things to do is to nail humor. So what I'm I trying to say- I think anything- Go on, go on. No, I'm just saying, we just gotta, we gotta, up, gotta up the jokes, boys, or we're done. <laughs> up the levels. No, I do, <laughs> yeah. I do think anything creative, to be honest, I, it's a hard one because the word creative is too broad. Because like, if you say creative, that used to include just like, someone taking a photo or you know like um a designer right like like that stuff we're already talking about in the last six months that's come out is is doing a lot of that stuff and it's doing it by typing in words it's insane you know what, I'm right? saying? what is different me, what me, is but, the what can humans do that's different let me give you a 
a framing of it that might be uh, I would like to be challenged on. So the difference between mass-produced and organic in the context of food, do we get to a place where it's like the, and this is probably not true as it's coming out of my mouth, is like there's a premium put on stuff that is produced by hand or by, you know, Definitely. 100% made by humans. You can imagine that be, like stuff being labeled that way. But I think as a society, we've kind of moved away from valuing things based on who or how they're produced at scale. I think at a certain level, that, that makes sense. Like people buying handmade furniture and stuff, that's point X percent of the population. Yeah, it's like rich people problems versus like- I'm talking we, myself out yeah. of it as I'm explaining it basically, where it's like, if it's a better <laughs> product, it wins. If it's more entertaining, it wins. This, uh, I think Elon and a lot of these people who've spent a lot of time around this stuff uh, have been like sounding the alarm on it for a good amount of time, right? Oh, yeah. like the I mean, rate Elon's... of acceleration on this is so ridiculous that we need to wrangle it a certain way. And maybe this Twitter acquisition comes with a lot of that, like the platform that disseminates this material is also incredibly uh, influential in the direction we end up going guys yeah. let's just let's end with this because i know we're running long let's make a promise to the listeners that non-investment advice will be a bulwark against ai intrusion into creative work 100 organic yes. podcast 100 organic <laughs> or is it or is or it is it or, or is it or we've we been doing it all along do the right thing share us with your friends and family because you can't let ai win you cannot that's let it. AI that's, win. That's the, that's the enemy. Are, that's the enemy. Yeah, yeah. We're the preppers version of of podcasting here. That's a wild thing, yeah. man. Uh, so I Mate, think that was a good. Crazy. That was uh, that was wild that actually plugged into our last two uh, topics. But uh, yeah, good way to end. That. All right, yeah. man. That was awesome. All right, that was a great app. Thanks for being there again. We appreciate yeah, you guys. Welcome back, Tron. Good to have you yeah, back. Yeah, great, great guys. Oh, we Rock got a like special episode next week. We're talking to David Senra from the Founders Podcast. Oh, is that next week? All the right, legend. Great. Yeah, yeah, good dude. All right, that'll be good. All right. Uh, thanks again for being here, everyone. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.